Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. We're starting uh, in the second week of this three-part series called Everything Made New. And... uh, so we're talking about the resurrection, really, for three weeks, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We talked last week about the new life. This week, we're talking about the new community, and next week, it'll be the new future. And I want to kind of weave these things together so that it's not just about us going to heaven one day, but that we're living this thing out right here and now. We are, we are called to be signpost people that point the way into the foggy future of what God's wanting to do in and through us. So here we go. Revelation 21, five, the one seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I like the ESV here. It says, behold, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So last week was Easter. It was incredible. You guys, uh, you know, three services, just wonderful presence of God. And it just kind of presence of God first service. Like, wow, can that be beat? You know, presence of God in second service. Wow, can that be beat? Third service. It was just awesome. And uh, we had uh, 19 scheduled baptisms. We actually had six the week before, and I preached on baptism, y'all remember, and, and uh, we were praying for more. I didn't know what she was praying for. And uh, so we had ni- 19 ended up happening on that morning. But then after the third service, I said, look, here's water. If somebody needs to be baptized, come on down, you know. And uh, I saw some stirring over here with the youth, and Christina was talking to Brianna, and is that how you say her, Brianna? And, uh, and, and so come find out, she wanted to be baptized right, right then on the spot. And so Kim leans over to me, and she, she goes, that's incredible. I've been praying for 20 baptisms all week. And some of you guys saw me do my hands like that, and I was like, yes, Lord, that's so awesome. And then we had a, a, another college girl get baptized on Wednesday night, and another youth get baptized on on uh, Wednesday evening as well, Christina got to lead somebody to the Lord after the third service. And so, man, it just, that's awesome. Just like life. I want to celebrate that. We want to like, that's great. And uh, And so, you know, it really is God's new life breaking into us because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And so that resurrection life is what we want to keep talking about here because it's not just for us as individuals, but how do we live this out as a people? What does this look like to live with a hope of resurrection? Okay, so because he's raised, we're raised. And it's not just like metaphorical because of baptism. We're promised to be raised from the dead. And so here we go. And, and this is, I'm going to teach this. And it's always like the cow at a new gate thing. When it, it's, uh, anybody know what a cow at a new gate? I, I don't. I'm. Uh, but I, I, it's a phrase. It just mean, I think it means like it's something new. And so work with me on the illustration there. But, you know, so they, they, the, the early church, they, they preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in preaching that, it's, it's a different kind of, like in Acts, and even the way Jesus preaches the gospel, it's, it's different than the way we preach it a lot of times. We preach it a lot of times, hey, you, you know, believe on Jesus, you can go to heaven when you, when you die. And that's not, that's not untrue. It's totally true. But, the way they preached in, in Acts, it's more like Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and he is the world's true Lord and King. 
He's Lord over everything. Repent, put your faith in him, line your life to his kingdom because it's come, it's started, and it's expanding. And it's going to keep expanding and forever of the, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. So, so it's, it's, it's incredible. Acts 2, the believers come together and there's just, it's like electric. It, it, it ought to feel this way when we're together. It ought to feel like, wow, something's happening. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the fellowship, koinonia, that deep, deep sharing, giving to people as they had need. And there was a sense of awe. There was a sense of awe at what was happening in their midst. I mean, isn't that great when, you're, when your testimonies are like two or three days old and not 10 or 15 years old? about what God's doing, a sense of awe at what's happening in our midst. And that's what they were doing. And people were just coming to the Lord left and right. It was awesome. And people were marked by the resurrection life of Jesus, a new faith, a new hope, and a new love. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to I unpack that just, and just talk about resurrection faith, resurrection hope, resurrection love. And just as a parenthesis, when I figured that out, that that's what I wanted to share about uh, this morning, it was earlier in the week, and, and uh, Faith, Hope, and Love, and it reminded me of the very first sermon I preached ever. 1989, first sermon ever, I was invited to go speak at this little bitty church in Leonard, Texas. Not even, even sure where Leonard is, but it's a small town, think tumbleweeds and just a few churches. And I was preaching at one of them, and there was about 50 people there, and I was about 60 years younger than the next oldest person. Think 80s and 90s, like mainly. And they gave me 45 minutes to an hour to preach, and so I, my points, this is why it's important, my points were faith, hope, and love. First sermon ever, and I unpacked the full biblical revelation of faith, hope, and love in its entirety in 19 minutes. 19 minutes, these, I, and I called these people to come and be saved and to be baptized. They're like, and just their jaws are hanging on their chests as I step down at 19 minutes you know, from that sermon. We get released. We go out onto the bustling streets of Leonard. 30 or 45 minutes before the Methodists and the Baptists. I did not get invited back. <laughs> That's my... First sermon story. <laughs> she said, I was so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, oh, my goodness. Okay, so uh, let me, let, let's talk about the challenge on this thing. The challenge about believing in resurrection life for us. Okay, so it's, it's real easy to keep things just kind of in the spiritual realm only, that we go to heaven and that we're not raised from the dead. But I want to talk about that. And part of the challenge is the worldview that we live in. The worldview, so worldview is like what, it's like fish swimming in the water. They don't know they're swimming in the water. You know, it's, they're just swimming in it. That's in, that's just normal. And so, so there's, there's some different views that we both can buy into in different ways. One is that the world is just getting better and better and better and better. And we'll call that what scholars call evolutionary optimism. Evolutionary optimism. Things are just getting better. We're progressing and just we're, and especially in the 1800s, man, there was just that whole thinking, that philosophy was fueled by, by, uh, scholars and authors like Charles Darwin. He applied that stuff to the, to biology. Things are just getting better and better and progressing. Uh, Marx, uh, in the, 
whole realm of sociology and how people relate to one another, the Communist Manifesto and all that stuff. And and that was the that was a prevailing worldview, and it's still out. It's still out and around. And and what happened with that worldview that really challenged it was the 20th century, because in the 20th century you got World War One, things aren't getting better and better. World War Two, genocide all over the place, the Armenian genocide, the Jewish Holocaust, Rwanda, on and on and on and on and on. I mean, it was a century of death, the likes of which the world had never seen. Christians persecuted like crazy, the likes of which the world had never seen. So that's the idea that things are getting better and better. And then there's this idea that things are getting worse and worse. And that's, that's really fueled by Greek philosophy, Plato, Aristotle, and these, uh, that's where Gnosticism comes from. This idea that spiritual things, or dualism, where, where spiritual things are really good, and material things are really bad and evil. This world's really evil. Our bodies are really just evil. And we need to be released from these bodies so that we can be spiritual in heaven. By tracking. But it's making us think, isn't it? Because God said creation isn't evil. God said creation is good. He, he said that, that, that we, he made us, and he was pleased with how he made us. Now, there's the fall and all that, but it's not just that our, we are inherently evil because we're material. So we've we got to think about this. I've really got to think through that, that, that deal. It's really important. And so, uh, you know, this kind of stuff, infl- we're, it, it's, it's just a part of pop culture. So entertainment, it has that kind of view of heaven. When I was in middle school, high school, somewhere in there, there was a movie called Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty. Old, old timers, anybody? Smattering. So like, it's this football player, he dies, and he goes to heaven, he's in sweats, heaven is dry ice, he's carrying around a flute or something, and it just, it's a big, boring, just bunch of dry ice, and that's heaven via, uh, Hollywood. Farside, another popular contributor to messed up heaven views. Okay, I was, I just, I said, far side heaven. I Googled that. And, and, uh, one of them that came up with, there's a guy, he's kind of in an angel suit. He's sitting on a cloud. He's like, man, wish I'd have brought a magazine. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of not right. And so what we need to do is subvert our popular worldview vision of heaven with the biblical New Testament witness about resurrection. About just that heaven doesn't just stay in heaven. You read the end of the story, heaven comes to earth, a renewed earth, where God really is victorious over all that Satan and evil and sin brought into the world. It's not just, oh, well, I lost. Destroy it, blow it up, everybody just comes to... It's like, no, he actually... There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. That's the end of the story. So uh, one of the things we fi- found out in the survey was that we have a lot of new people at Antioch Fort Worth. <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> but, uh, but that means one of the things we have to do is talk about these things that, that are deep, uh, treasured beliefs in our, in our hearts and lives and has helped us to get to this point. So, uh, you know, let's talk about resurrection just a bit. 
in the New Testament and, and things being made right. In the New Testament, this is what Peter and John were preaching at the gate. Beautiful Acts chapter 3, verse 19, 20, 21, uh, after the guy's healed, they begin preaching, and he says, now repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, everything made new. That's what he's preaching right there. The, the, the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. Paul goes on and really unpacks a lot of this in his different letters. I mean, it's so much, I can't even just go into it, but you, you see it in different places. So in Ephesians, he's, you know, that big long run on sentence at the beginning of Ephesians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of that. And it gets down to verse 8, 9, and 10. And he says, look, the mystery of God is his plan that he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth and on the earth under the headship of Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay. So then, so then Peter, also, in his letter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, touches on this, where things are going, that is. Uh, but in keeping with the promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So it's, it's more than nothingness. And it's more than, you know, sitting around on a cloud, bored because we didn't bring a magazine. We, we're subverting that right now with the truth of Scripture. Okay? John then writes... Revelation, the apocalypse is the, the Greek word, apocalypse. It means revelation or unveiled, the unveiling of heaven and God. And, and you see scenes directly into heaven, worship, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Every tribe, language, nation, and tongue gathered together. But heaven doesn't stay in heaven. Heaven comes to earth. The, that whole Revelation 21, the new Jerusalem comes out of heaven, the bride, the church, beautifully adorned for her husband. And now God is with His people. His people are with Him. And there's no more mourning or crying or tears or pain. For the old order is over and God's ushered in this new order, this new creation. It's just, it's powerful. Resurrection shapes our perspective about the future. The truth of resurrection shapes our perspective. And, it's, and, and I keep using this word, but let it subvert the, the popular perspective about even the way we share the gospel sometimes. And it, it's, it's okay, it's not untrue, but just truncating the gospel down to you go to heaven when you die, when you believe on Jesus, that's not untrue. It's just, wow, there's like so much more than that. I mean, that's not the way Jesus preached the gospel, and it's not the way they preached the gospel in the book of Acts. Okay, it's, it's just, that's just like the most vanilla, basic thing that we could put on a track and put in somebody's hands. But Jesus is like, repent, the kingdom of God's at hand. And the apostles are like, repent, Jesus is the world's true Lord and King. He's been raised from the dead, and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, line up with him. You know, so that, so here's the thing. One sentence, one soundbite. God's inviting us to life in the new community that is shaped by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And so I'm going to share these as three points, but they, it's kind of hard to separate them. They all kind of flow together. Resurrection faith, resurrection hope, resurrection love. They're all just kind of, they're kind of doing this all the time. And it's hard to just, oh, now I'm doing faith, now I'm doing hope, now I'm doing love. You know, it's, it, they go together. But let's just, let's, uh, let's read. Well, how does Paul explain this to the Corinthians? So turn to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 which is also the passage that I started with last week, which in chapter 15, verse 3, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that to 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom, who are, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. I mean, it's just a powerful like eyewitness testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 30 years after the fact, I mean, wow. You know, that is, that's just powerful. You know, people aren't uh, like facts that people saw back in the 90s or back in the 80s, like the, where it could be refuted easily. It wasn't. And so then he goes on to talk about what does this resurrection mean? Because some of them were saying maybe this didn't actually happen or the resurrection has already happened. So uh, just we're going to read a lot of Scripture here for the next few minutes. Everybody okay? Just trying to prepare us. And so just, Lord, would you shape our thinking by Scripture, by your Word revealed to us through our brother Paul in the inspiration and authority of the Holy Spirit as He writes this truth to us. But if it is preached that Christ, I'm in verse 12, if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. Just tracking on that logic there. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Why would he say that? Because there's suffering. I mean, he's going to say that a little bit later, a couple paragraphs later. I, I endured wild beasts in Ephesus, metaphorically. He's been persecuted for his faith in preaching and proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And he goes on and says, he's going to just, God's going to be all in all when this thing is said and done. And if he talks, goes on and talks about persecution and says, look, 
It, we should just eat and drink and just die. It doesn't even matter if this resurrection isn't true. So what's the resurrection going to be like? That's the next question he deals with in verse 35. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he's determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals another, birds another, fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is of one kind, and the splendor of earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, stars another, and stars differ from star in in splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a spiritual body, then there is also a natural body, then there's also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first Adam became a life-giving being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit pours that spirit out on us. The spirit did not come first. The spiritual didn't come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was the, of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we've been born with the likeness of earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Okay, so... Think about that for just a second. Jesus was raised with a body that could eat food. We're going we're to have a, a resurrection body like that. He could also, he walked through walls. There's some other you know, some stuff that's the same, stuff that's not the same. But it's a new creation body, the first fruits of, of which is Jesus Christ. I declare to you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, I mean, that is just like this powerful unpacking of a resurrection faith for us. These Corinthians, the thing I love about the Corinthians is we can identify with them so much, right? Messed up, doing stuff they shouldn't do head shaking. You know, they had this patron system. It was a big deal in the Greek world. In Corinth, the patron system's like, there's a couple big time leader household guys and everybody had to kind of pay homage to them. And they, they kind of let the economics flow through their house. And that's the way economy worked and everything. And then they, they got, but they got in fights and there were factions and I follow Apollos and all this different kind of stuff. And one of those things was, was misunderstanding about the resurrection. And so Paul's bringing this word, and ultimately it's like, 
praise be to God, the victory is in Jesus, so it matters how you live. Your labor's not in vain. Go for it. Let's live productive lives that matter, is what he's saying. A resurrection faith because of Jesus Christ. The second piece there, and it's woven together, is resurrection hope. And I, I almost put this first, and I almost titled this the whole message because it's out of hope that kind of everything kind of flows. Like hope is the seedbed for faith, for, for a, a constant believing. You know, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. That's what Hebrews 11 says. So, so it's, it, faith is like the seedbed for, uh, excuse me, hope is the seedbed for faith and for costly love that we're going to be talking about in a second, just that, that love springs from those things. Paul kind of alludes to this in Colossians. Again, this is in basically all the letters. I'm just going to pull some highlights here. Colossians 1, 3 to 6. We always thank God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. So, okay, wow. So that hope, it's like, if you could imagine us as a tree, our roots are in that future hope of what's coming and the branches and fruit that we bear, my, my roots are out there, and the, and, the, and the fruit and stuff that I'm bearing is based out of the roots of this unstoppable, undying hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is, uh, it's going to be our resurrection. And so, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's metaphor at one level that we are connecting with the death of Jesus. But ultimately, that's not just metaphor. Scripture's saying, as he died, we died. And as he was raised, with that resurrection, we are going to have that resurrection in our own lives. Talk about bringing hope in from the future into the present it's just powerful. It's, yeah, it's foggy. We don't see it all, but we're living that kind of a faith-filled life that points to, like signposts, all of us pointing to God's future. We're going to talk more in detail about that, about that next week. But I mean, it's just, it's powerful. We're rooted in the victory of Jesus Christ. There's always reason for hope. Always reason for hope. There's always reasons for hope. Just there always is. I get down. I get discouraged. I've had wonderful things happen this week. I've had trials happen this week. Anybody else? So there's always reason for hope. And even on our mission, what God's called us to do, the people He's called us to be, you know, if it, it's got to be done out of hope, and so that we'll be cheerful and joyful in sharing the sharing the good news about Jesus. If I'm a morose bummer of a Christian all the time, that is not going to be attractive for the gospel. You know, it's just pretty bad. It's going to stay bad and it's just, it's bad and it's a bummer and it's just, uh, you know, and like, you want to follow Jesus. No, man. So, so that, that future, it's a future where things are made right. So we want to act for justice. Right now, because things are going to be just. They're unjust, but we want to live in a way that helps them to be just or to be loving or to be faith filled or to be, uh, beautiful where they're ugly. 
uh, right relationships where they're wrong, healing and forgiveness where those things haven't happened. You get the point, right? So resurrection hope, and then weaving that together then with resurrection uh, love as well. Resurrection love, there's this interconnection between these things because ultimately, you know, love is what we're to be known for more than anything else. And, and really, it is the ethic of Christians, is love. Uh, yesterday, we had a bunch of the college girls at the house. It was a lot. Place was, place was packed. And uh, I was kicked out. I was up here. I was made to be a, the man not in the house. And uh, studied for a while, semi-productive. You guys can flash up a card whether or not it worked. <laughs> but... but uh, but I go back home, and I thought it was going to already be over, and it's like loud, there's a roar. I'm, I'm just knocked over with, with uh, perfume when I walk. like, whoa, wow, a bunch of girls in the house. <laughs> and, uh, but they did some Q&A. Kim kind of shared a little bit uh, just about some of the questions and answers and about dating and good stuff to be talking about older women, talking to younger women about, about that stuff, right? But, you know, I was sitting there thinking, I was listening to those things, and I thought, you know, if we could live by the ethic of love, like we could figure all of that stuff out. We'd treat the person we're dating in the right way. We'd be the kind of person that somebody wants to marry one day. The, the, because we love them. We love that future person that God has for us. It's just, it's huge. So it's, it's this kind of ethic. Again, Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Since you've been raised with Christ... Okay, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So that's what's coming. That's, that's what we, we live with love, anticipating this future that's breaking in. And even though it's misty as we're looking at the future, we can't see it all, but we can live in ways that express, that inaugurate the holiness that's coming, the love that's coming, the, 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 the serving one another that's coming. And it makes our lives have so much more meaning to... I want to live in a creative way that, I mean, it, it, this is what we'll talk about next week, but I mean, it, it's going to affect the music that we write because it, we want it to be reflecting that future. It's going to affect the words we write, the ways that we do our work, the ways that we, if you're a mathematician or, a, or, or a, an engineer, I mean, why not say Jesus you're holding all things together by the word of your power. You understand all physics and everything. You are the greatest logician ever. Literally, your name, he is the word, Logos. Can you give me wisdom for my situation? You know, you're the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's not just a poetic kind of nice statement. It's the truth about Jesus. The one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And all that to say... We are citizens of heaven. We're here, but it's like we're actually a colony of heaven that's been placed here. Born again people that represent God's life here and now. You know, and so it, that, that's part of what the word ecclesia originally meant. The church, it was like this, 
this people from another place that, that formed a group that expressed the views and life and culture of that other place. Like Greeks or Romans would, would have an ecclesia of people that brought that culture to life in this new place. And that's what we're called to do. Philippians, just one page back, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Boom! I just, wow! You know, and, and, and I, I just, I guess part of the burden in this thing is that we would see and be able to articulate and wake up and go, hey, that, that's not the true story. That's, that's not our story. Our story is not we're floating around. Our story is ultimately that we are going to have glorified bodies in the new heaven, new earth, when it's together. And so it gives us so much hope about looking forward into the future. It's going to affect the way we live. It's going to affect the way we pray. I mean, wow. Does this give you more creativity for your job or for your marriage or for your children or parenting or any kind of situation at all? It's going to affect the way we pray. It's going to affect the way we work. It's going to affect everything. Is there a situation where you need resurrection faith? Is there a situation where you need resurrection hope right now? Is there a situation where you need resurrection love being expressed? Difficult relationships need that. The the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. Is there a situation where you need resurrection perseverance just to keep going, to keep fighting the good fight? So just wrapping this up, this is... The call that's on us, it's not just to be individuals that are saved and we're just waiting until we die and go to heaven, but we are enacting this. We are living by faith in this way that changes our world. Jesus is the world's true Lord and King. All authority has been given to Him and we want to walk in ways that respond to Him and express Him and show what He's like to the world around us and preach Him and proclaim Him in everything that we do. Preach the gospel all the time. Use words when when we're supposed to use words, but we're living it all the time. That's the new community. That's what God's called us to do and to be. Amen. All right, stand up. And uh, ministry team, come on up. And uh, we just want to respond a bit. Worship team, come on. And again, I, I ask the questions, but I mean, think about your own situation because just all around the room, there's, there's as many probably ways that we could pray as there are people here. And it's just, where do you need that faith or that hope or that love breaking into your own life, into your own world? If I get a few more ministry team people, come on up, y'all. And uh, yeah, and so... Lord, help us. Some of this might be about the ways we think. Just move into the next level. I want to grow in this. I want to be hungry for God. I want to be hungry for what that hope means in my life. And just again, just as always, if you have a prayer need that's just 
not even something I've talked about, but you know that God, you need His help, then come and get prayer. And Father, meet us here today. I pray for life, for resurrection life, for resurrection power, resurrection hope, love, faith, breaking into our lives. That we would be people that express in our thinking, in our acting, in our doing, this future that's coming. In Jesus' name, Amen. You guys come, get prayer. Be bold, go for it.